0: Bibles, I would like you to turn to the book of Genesis chapter 41. Genesis, the book of beginnings, though written a very long time ago, though human history has, so much of it has happened since that time, human nature has, has changed very little And as we've been looking at one particular life, perhaps you can identify with it and see it and and understand that it's very relatable. Uh, Before we look into Scripture, Genesis 41, I want to say this, that people's dreams and their dreams coming true is really the stuff of story and song. Think about this the number of times that we use the word dream for example if you have a house that the house that you always wanted the house that you've long planned for we call that our dream house maybe you have a dream house list we talk about it the place that we have long wanted to go and perhaps are planning to go to, you refer to that as your dream vacation. The, 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 the job that you always wanted, the place of employment that, that you have prepared for, perhaps studied for, uh, worked toward, is, is, is your, we call that our dream job. We use the word dream a lot about things in the future, things that we want to see, things that we plan for and work for. Dreams. A few weeks ago, I read that the, uh, the word dream is among the most used words in song titles. It actually, ble- I, I would have thought the word love, right, because you see, no, actually dreams appears in song titles more than does the word love. It's so number 18 in most used words in popular song titles. Dreams. Why, why are dreams so important to us? Why, 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 why do we talk so much about, about dreams? Well, because dreams can be powerful things. Dreams can be powerful things. Many centuries ago, Many centuries ago, a man named Joseph had a dream, and, and dreams became so much a part, so, such an inseparable part of Joseph's life, that we call him the dreamer. We call him the dreamer. This man who received a dream from God and was used on so many occasions with dreams. Now, Joseph's dream did, did not originate, you have to understand, and some of you are very familiar with this story because we've been in it for some weeks, but, but Joseph's dream did not originate in his own mind or in his own imagination. This was not something that he thought, you know, I'd, I'd like to have this someday, and so this is, this is what I plan for. It wasn't like that at all. In fact, the dream that he had was so far outside his expectations, so far beyond what his imagination could have pulled up, that he knew that it was a God-given dream. It was a God-given dream. It it was something that, that involved him, and it involved others, but it had a greater purpose. The dream that Joseph received at age 17 became one of the biggest driving forces in his life. It was the one thing that he held on to through so many different things. And in the weeks that we've studied Joseph's life, we've seen how dreams continue, how how God continues to give dreams to people. God still gives dreams to people. He still puts things into people's hearts, things that he wants them to do. We, We sometimes use words like calling or burden or deep God-directed passions or something like that, but they're really God-given dreams. God puts something in our hearts that is beyond our imagination, that is beyond our expectation, that often is beyond our experience, and He desires us to do something, and, and and it can drive a person. Things that He wants us to do or things that He wants us to become. Don't raise your hands to this, but how many here has God given you a glimpse of something that he desires you to be that you're currently not? Or to become, to be shaped into something that you currently are not, but he desires you to be. The thing about God-given dreams, as opposed to self-given dreams or self-driven dreams, the the thing about God-given dreams is that he has a greater purpose for it, and it's always more than just about self. It always involves other people. You find so many different God-given dreams recorded in Scripture, but one thing that they have in common, a couple things that they have in common, one, of course, is that God gives, it. but secondly, it involves other people. God-given dreams are about ministering to or helping or assisting or directing or bringing back to God other people. that's that's one of the key things about a God-given dream. God has placed some things into your heart to do, or God has put some things into your heart to become. We call that a God-given dream, and many of you, many of you over these last number of weeks have come up to me and, and said, thank you so much. Even just yesterday, several people as I'm there at the ball field and a number of you came up to me and and said this has meant so much to me because i recognize now that what this is is a god-given dream that he's placed before me in the weeks that we've studied joseph's life we've seen how god still again gives these dreams to people but with joseph at age 17 Joseph dreamed his entire family would bow before him. Uh, He didn't know why they would do that. He didn't know when they would do that. But that dream from God was so convincing, it was so remarkable, that he knew that it would happen. Just a 17-year-old, you know, just very young, very inexperienced, but he knew that God had placed this into his heart. Now, for Joseph, the years following the dream that was given by God, for Joseph, the years following that were difficult beyond words. We've looked at that over these weeks. The, the years following that 17, age 17 experience were difficult beyond words. He, he endured rejection. He endured betrayal. He endured slavery, uh, false accusation, tremendous temptation, imprisonment. I mean, this man went through so many things that most of us would look at and say any one of them would have been the challenge of a lifetime, but, but Joseph went through multiple Experiences went through multiple challenges in the years following the God given dream. And he also had numerous opportunities to either abandon the dream or to trade it, to squander it for something else. And that's what's unique about his story because again and again, what's well, not unique to his story, but it, it, it's a fascinating study in Scripture how, how again and again he faced things that he could, have, he could have given up on the dream, he could have rejected the dream, he could have squandered the dream, he could have traded the dream, but he held on to the dream through all of those years and how they, those years shaped him and, and prepared Joseph. And I, I made this comment several weeks ago how the degree of challenges is often in direct proportion to the ways in which God is going to use someone. So if you go through, if because of a God-given dream, you go through tremendous challenges, it means that God is going to use you in tremendous ways. Because God is shaping you, and God is preparing you. And I I remind you this morning, uh, now many years far removed from Joseph's time I remind you this morning that if you have surrendered your life to the Lord Jesus Christ if your life is in his hands if you have surrendered your life to him given your life to him prayed Lord Jesus come into my heart and forgive my sins I want to begin to live for you if you have done that and if your your life is in his hands you're walking in his plan then I want you to know that he is shaping you God is preparing you. He's preparing you, the dreamer, and while he's preparing you, the dreamer, he's also preparing other people who are going to be a part of the dream. He is shaping the dream, and at some remarkable day, some remarkable event, he's going to bring it all together, and the dream, if you hold on to it and trust him and allow that shaping to take place, then that dream will happen. It will be fulfilled in your life, because it was a God-given dream, but he's shaping you. It's hard right now. And some of you are really feeling that. You I mean you're feeling the pressure. You're feeling the tension, the stress of it. You're wondering about the disappointments and the and, and the, the difficulties that you've gone through. And you've wondered, why is it? What what is it? I, I still I know that God had me do that, but why is it so why is it so very difficult right now? He's shaping you, he's preparing you for the fulfillment that God-given dream. Last week, last week, we, we saw how Joseph was brought out of prison to interpret something the king of Egypt had dreamed. You see, Joseph not only had dreams from God, but God empowered him, God equipped him to, uh, gave him the ability to also interpret dreams. So he had them, and he didn't understand what they meant entirely, But when other people had them, God gave him the ability to tell them exactly what God meant. Fascinating. Joseph told Pharaoh, Pharaoh had had this dream the night before, no one else could answer it, so he they look around, Joseph is brought up because of somebody remembering him from an event in the past. Joseph then told Pharaoh that God was about to bring to Egypt, after he told him the dream, he explained to him, he, says, he said to Pharaoh that God was about to bring to Egypt, to the, 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 the nation of Egypt, the people of Egypt, seven years of tremendous harvests. Now, you can't do that now. No one knows... The, the, the future of even this harvest, not to mention seven, but God, because he had a greater plan, told the king of Egypt, the next seven years are going to be among the most remarkable years of harvest that you, you're ever going to experience. He went on to say, Joseph went on to tell him that God wanted the king to know that he was to reserve 20% of each year's harvest for the next seven years to pull it back, to put it in storage, to guard it, place it in strategic places around the country. And the reason for that, Joseph continued, was that the seven years that followed that, now this is 14 years of crop predictions. He said because the seven years after that, they were to expect famines and crop failures that were unprecedented. Joseph said there's going to be great deprivation and there's going to be great suffering. There's going to be famines. If we don't do this, people are going to starve. God, through Joseph, told the king of Egypt that the seven bad years are going to be so bad that the seven good years are going to be largely forgotten. So reserve 20% for the next seven years. And then the last thing that he told them, they were that Joseph brought this interpretation was that God also told Pharaoh to appoint someone. Joseph didn't say who. Joseph didn't assume that it was going to be him. But, but, but Joseph told the, the Pharaoh that he was to appoint someone to oversee the entire project. Which brings us to Genesis chapter 41, verses 39 and 40. Read this way. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, There is none so discerning and wise as you are. No, no, just hold on for a moment. You understand, just a few hours before he'd been a prisoner in the king's prison. Pharaoh continues, You shall be over my house, and all my people shall order themselves as you command. Only as regards the throne will I be greater than you. Now, just for a moment picture Joseph as he's listening to this he's just freshly washed up because he was living in the prison he's got some some good clothes on or better clothes on but they're still prison clothes he's shaved he's he's looking nice or at least somewhat proper in front of the king and he he he, he didn't know what the king was going to say he 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 didn't have time to prepare so when the king shares the dream he immediately shared the interpretation, the king knows this is of God, and the king says, you're the guy. Now, I believe that when Joseph heard that statement, he knew that life would change dramatically. Life was about to change dramatically for him. Joseph knew that though he would continue to serve, he would never again be a slave or a prisoner. He just knew this. I think in his spirit, as soon as he heard the words that you see on the screen there, as soon as he heard those words, he knew that life would never... You ever been in a place where all of a sudden you receive news and you know life is never going to be the same again? This was one of those occasions. He knew that from this day, though he would serve the king, he would never again be a slave or a prisoner. Life was changing. Verse 41, Pharaoh said to Joseph, see, I have set you over all the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh took his signet ring from his own hand, and he put it on Joseph's hand. And he clothed him in garments of fine linen and put a gold chain around his neck. Let me explain what's happening here in, in verse 41 and 42. The ring on his hand, the ring on Joseph's hand had just a short time before been, been on the king's hand. You understand that when we, when we wear rings, it's, it's often regarding, you know, it's an indication of marriage or class or something like that or some event, something that we did. The king wore that ring. There was only one like it and it was probably a, 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 a ring that had the, the king's seal on it. So if he wanted to mark something, they'd pull out the wax or they'd pull out something and he would mark it. That, was a vi- that, was, that indicated authority, that ring. Authority. The clothing, it says, was, was made of linen, which means that it was very fine and it was comfortable and it was, it was well made. In fact, I'm going to go so far as to say it was probably even better than the colorful coat that Joseph had worn decades before, given him by his father as a show of favoritism. It was nice clothes. He'd been wearing prison clothes, orange prison clothes. Well, I don't know if they were orange. He was wearing prison clothes, but now he, now he's wearing some of the finest clothes in the entire kingdom. And he's wearing a gold chain. This gold chain, we don't know how big it is, but it indicated wealth and it indicated power. Within just a matter of moments, he he's pulled out. He's, he explains the dream. He's declared a person of prominence and power. And, and even the visible things about him, the ring on his finger, the clothes on his body, the chain around his neck, all of them shouted, this man's different. And this man has authority. Everything was happening so fast. And then this declaration in verse 13, Forty-three. Look at verse 43. Pharaoh made him ride in his second chariot. This would be like Air Force Two, okay? Ride in his second chariot, behind Pharaoh. He made him ride in his second chariot, and they called out before him, quote, bow the knee. Can you hear it? Bow the knee. Thus Pharaoh set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I am Pharaoh, and without your consent... No one shall lift up hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. So in mere hours, just just a matter of hours at the most, maybe all of this even happened within the span of one hour. It could have. But in mere hours, Joseph went from one societal or cultural or economic extreme to another. In just a matter of hours, he goes from the absolute depths to almost the absolute pinnacle of the the kingdom. Joseph's life early in the morning of that day could not have been, could hardly have been lower, though he had a place of responsibility within the jail. He was still a jail, in jail. His life early in the morning in the prison could hardly be compared to his life in the palace as he ended that day. I mean, it, it must have been almost overwhelming. You know, you know when your computer gets too much information, you get the little, do you ever get the little spinning thing? I'm wondering if in his mind he get the little spinning thing. It's like there's more information than I can process. This is more than I can handle in 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 the span of this short of a period of time. It was nearly incomprehensible. You know I, I have found maybe you have as well that from where we stand in our timeline and we 're very much of course bound by time, linear time when where we stand in from where we stand, God's timeline can seem so ponderous. How many have found out that you can just, you just go, God, why is it taking so long? Am I the only one? Have you ever felt that? God, why is it taking so long? I mean, 13 years is a long time. 13 years before at age 17, he has this dream from God. It's taken 13 years. Every day he's thought of the dream. And he's probably wondered more than once, (laughs) probably more than a thousand times, he's thought, why is it taking so long? (laughs) Boy, from where we stand, sometimes the dream, the timeline that God has us on can just seem like so long. Why is it taking so long? But it can be shocking how quickly God can change things when he so desires. Now, that's important because sometimes we look at it and we go, man, this is taking so long. This is so hard. This is so difficult. It's taking, it's just taking, it seems like an eternity. Of course, it's not, but it seems like it's an eternity. But I'll tell you what, when God moves, he can move very, very quickly. Do you realize that he created, of course you do. You've read perhaps Genesis. He created this entire world in six days with words. Boom. That's fast. That's fast. God can change a heart like that. When you gave your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ some months or weeks or years ago, when you did that, He changed your heart like that. You went from darkness to light like that. You went from slavery and spiritual bondage to absolute freedom in Jesus Christ like that. And there are times in our life when it seems like it's just taking so long, but I'll tell you what, when God says it's time, it can happen fast. And for many of you, it has. Now, in the excitement over the remarkable things that were happening to Joseph, we need to remember this important point. That is this, Joseph's liberation from a difficult place and his appointment to a powerful place was not the fulfillment of the dream. Now, that's, that's really important that you get that. Joseph's liberation from a difficult place and his appointment to a powerful place was not the fulfillment of a dream. I, I say that because I want you to understand that when you leave a difficult place or a difficult season, it can be easy to think that you've arrived or that you've attained some level of success or that there it is. You see, sometimes the pain can be so great in any kind of a given situation that any relief from that pain just feels liberating in itself. You ever been there? You ever been in a place, maybe physical, but perhaps more often than that, emotional or relational, and you just go, oh, this is so hard, this is so difficult, and then all of a sudden you're relieved from that, and it just feels so good. The answer's not come yet, but you're just—you're just so great to be glad to be done with the, the difficult place, the difficult procedure. It, it can be easy to think that that your job is largely completed when you enter a place of power or prominence or influence, or when you come into some greater degree of comfort. Just a short time before, Joseph had been in this most difficult place of real hopelessness. He had, for all he knew, you know, he he held on to the dream, but he didn't know how long it was going to take. He didn't know how how long he was going to spend in this prison. And then he was set free, and it, it had to feel so good, but he had to understand that this was not the fulfillment of the dream. It can be easy to mistake a part of the dream for the fulfillment of the dream. Look at verse 43 again. It says, when Joseph heard, it, sa- it says the, the king declared that, that the, when he rode in his chariot, someone was going to go before him and declare, bow the knee, bow the knee. When he heard that command, I wonder if when Joseph heard that command, that persons were to bow before him, I can't help but wonder if he realized that the decree moved him closer to what he had dreamed years earlier, but he knew that the fulfillment of the dream was still ahead. See, even though the people of Egypt would from this day forward bow down to him, his family, that's what he saw in the dream, his family still had not bowed down to him. Joseph's new place of power, his new place of comfort, was not the fulfillment of the dream. I can't help but wonder if there are some here who have confused a partial answer to the dream, you've confused it with the fulfillment of the dream. I can't help but wonder if some here God has gotten you out of a difficult place and you're happy just with that rather than continuing on and trusting Him for the fulfillment of the dream. I wonder if sometimes we accept comfort and relief and we're happy with that and we'll be comfortable with that, we'll be good with that rather than saying... Yeah, but the dream hasn't been fulfilled yet. You see, Joseph's new place of power and his influence and his comfort was really just another test. You remember the test that Joseph has been through? He he had a test when he was thrown into that empty well, that cistern, that water holding tank. Thirteen years before when his brothers, instead of killing him, put him into the empty water tank. And he had an opportunity there. He could have, he could have become very resentful. He could have turned against his brothers. He could have turned against God as he's down there in that pit. But in that test, he passed. And he was brought up out of there and sold into slavery. He could have, he could have, while he was there in in Egypt, in Potiphar's house, and and Mrs. Potiphar was coming on to him every day, repeatedly, day after day after day. That too was a test. It was a test. He could have given in to his passions. He could have given in to sexual sin, but he held on to the dream and he said no to it. And he realized that it was a test. He could have, while he was then falsely accused and thrown into prison, he could have again become very resentful against God. How dare you allow me to come into this place? I did the righteous thing. I did the honorable thing. I did the godly thing. And this is what I get for it? How how easy it would have been to turn against God, but he didn't, and he passed the test. And sometimes we, we think that tests are always difficult things. This is a difficult thing, but it was, boy, as far as tests go, I, this, was, this is not bad, but it's still a test. Do you realize that power is a test? That if God allows you into a place of power or influence, if he if he somehow in some way appoints you into a place of some prominence, or can I even say this, some degree of means or even wealth, do you realize that you're suddenly faced with a test? Don't raise your hands, but how many people have you known that have suddenly received a, a promotion of some sort and... It destroyed them. They were taken to a place of prominence and it withered them. Have you ever known someone who suddenly received a tremendous amount of means or financial resources and it eroded them? A century and a half ago, President Abraham Lincoln wrote a powerful statement that remains true today. He said, any man can handle adversity, but if you wish to truly test a man's character, give him power. He had passed the adversity test, flying colors. He held on to God. He trusted in God. He looked to God, even in all of the adversity, the accusations, but but now he suddenly has power. How many of you can look back on your life and you go, thank God, through that great difficulty, the very fact that you're here this morning, that you're actually serving the Lord and you're here, you're gathered together with other believers is an indication that you passed that test of adversity. Some of you have been through some tremendous disappointments and and, and times of of great uh, stripping away in your life. You 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 face difficulties that that can almost even equal some of what Joseph went through, and you pass the test. But do you realize that now, maybe in an easier place, or now maybe in a more influential place, or a place of some financial resources that you now have before you placed yet another test? Maybe you have power. It's a test. I thank God for the resources that God gives us, financial, our abilities, our times. I thank God for the many ways in which he's blessed us. Tim and I were talking last night. Sharing how when Joni and I were his age some of the challenges that we faced he was too young to remember even before he was born some of the challenges that we that we faced that and 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 I said boy it was hard it was really difficult and 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 now some of those things aren't quite so difficult I remember those I remember those weeks when when it was like do we buy do we buy diapers or do we buy meat, right? How many have ever been faced with that? You know what the answer is. <laughs> it's diapers, that's right, it's diapers. <laughs> we don't face that now. Things are not quite that uncomfortable, at least for our in our home financially. That's just one example, but how many times then suddenly when things are a little bit better do we find our hope in that? Joseph was faced with a new test. Where are you? What has God given you? Do you realize that one of the greatest challenges is not so much, not always temptation or bitterness or disappointment, or rejection, sometimes for the believer, one of the greatest enemies to our soul and to our dream is apathy. I'm just comfortable now, and I'll take that rather than pursuing the dream. For Joseph... His new authority was not a reward for his faithfulness. God did not give him the authority because he had simply been faithful with previous things. That was a part of it, but that's, it wasn't a reward. Neither was it compensation for his years of suffering. Oh, you really went through it for all those 13 years. Well, then I'm going to give you something very good. It wasn't compensation. It wasn't a reward. Rather, God had a greater purpose in it. God had a purpose in the blessing of the power and the prominence and the wealth and the influence. God had a purpose in it. So this morning, some of you may be saying, man, I'm still in the dungeon. I'm still in the difficult place where I just, I don't, I don't even know how we're going to make it through this month. Some of you right now, relationally, are in a place where you're just saying, I am so lonely, it is so difficult. But others here are in a place where you have an abundance of something. But God has a purpose in that. He wants to use it. If you're taking notes, write this down. Places of power or influence are simply new platforms from which we continue to accomplish God's will. Your place of power or influence is simply a new platform from which you can continue to accomplish God's will. So if you have an important position you didn't see coming, but you've been given it, maybe it's, it's, it's earlier than you anticipated, then God has placed you in that position for His purposes and not yours. If for some reason you, have, you are a person of influence in some area, maybe it's at your job site, maybe it's, 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 it's in, in a community, maybe it's in a church, maybe it's in some place, but you suddenly have a place of influence, God has a purpose in it and it's not just about you. He has a purpose for others. Maybe you're in a place and suddenly you realize, not suddenly because things don't usually happen just suddenly, but you realize that, that we, we have some means. I want you to understand that that is not simply so that you can enjoy it, but so that God can use it for His glory and not just yours. Paint places of power and influence and even wealth or status or recognition are new platforms from which we we can continue to accomplish God's will. I thank God for people who are in places of prominence, people who are in places of influence, people with tremendous means who use that and understand it's for the glory of God. Maybe you're going to be that person or you are that person. Some of you, this message is not going to kick in, or the truths of this message is not going to kick in for months or even years from now. But suddenly you're going to be placed or placed before you a test. Will you use it for his glory? This morning, maybe you didn't see this coming. What a fascinating story that Joseph's is. And we're not done with it. We're going to look at two more weeks and the fulfillment of the dream. But this morning, before we close, I want to pray with you. If you would just bow your heads with me across this room. A little bit of a different closing this morning. First of all, I want to give you an opportunity to respond into a relationship with Jesus Christ. This morning, perhaps you you do not know Him. You know about Him, but you do not yet know Him. If in your mind you are not sure if you were to die today, that you would go to be with Christ in heaven forever. If you do not know that, that is an indication of where you are in your relationship with Him. The Bible tells us that when we know Him and when we are saved by Him, our spirit bears witness. And if that is not there, then you can can be sure, you can know. So before I pray over you and, and ask God to, to bring this truth into not just our minds or our ears, but our hearts. Before we do that, I want to pause and give perhaps you an opportunity to respond to the Lord Jesus Christ. He died for you. The Bible says he died on a cross and he rose from the dead, but he didn't do it simply to make a point. He did it to save you forever. If that's you this morning and... not going to embarrass you, but I do want to identify you. I want to pray with you specifically. So this morning, if that is you and you say, you know, I'm not, you're really, you're speaking to me today and I'm not sure if I were to die today, I would go to be with him, but I want to be sure. I want to know that I'm the Lord's and that he is mine. If that's you this morning, would you right now just lift up your hands and I want to pray with you. you. Just lift up your hand right now and hold it up and then catch my eye. You can open your eyes if you're that person. Is there anyone here this morning? Thank you. Is there anyone else? Thank you. In back. Is there anyone else? Thank God. Thank you. Right here. Someone else just said, Yeah, that's me. I, I want to be sure. Is there anyone else this morning? Thank you. In back. Four people. Anyone else? I'm gonna ask the same question next week. You bring somebody that doesn't know yet Jesus, and they're gonna have the opportunity. But right now, before we go any further, I want to pray with these four that raise their hands. Perhaps there's others. I want you to pray this prayer with me. I'm gonna pray a prayer if you agree with it. In fact, maybe you prayed this prayer a long time ago, but would you would you do this with me? In fact, just across this room, but especially these four. Would you, would you, would you? just audibly even pray this prayer with me and if you believe this if you truly believe it and you pray it then god's going to begin a transforming work in your life and all the dreams that he's going to give you and the fulfilled dreams so let's do that right now would you pray with me lord jesus i come to you i recognize my need for you I'm a sinner and I've sinned. But you're a savior and I need you to save me. Come into my heart. Pray it out. Come into my heart. Forgive my sins. I surrender my life to you. I believe you died for me. And you rose from the dead for me. So no, today I begin serving you. I'm moving away from darkness, and today I begin walking in Your light. Do this transformation in me today, in Jesus' name. Amen, Lord. I thank You for those who've prayed this prayer, and I ask that today, that beginning today, Lord, they just pray a prayer that is trans—that is transformational. Today they prayed a prayer, Lord, because they meant it in their heart. Your word says that if if you believe in your heart and declare with your mouth that God raised Jesus from the dead, we will be saved. And Lord, they have declared this. They've humbled themselves and trusted you. Now, Lord, you've saved them. And today is that day. Transferred them from darkness to light. It's, it's a day that is not unlike what happened to Joseph that day long ago. I pray, Lord, your protection upon these. I pray, Lord, your, your favor upon them. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would do a, 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 a healing work and a helping work in them as they today begin serving you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like everyone here to stand, and I want to pray over you as always, these altars are going to be open. So if you feel like you want to spend just a little bit more time with the Lord, please come and and pray. You can pray as long as you want, really. this This is available, but I want to pray for you. Some of you God has placed in places of great prominence and great influence, or he will. And I want you to be ready for that day. I want you to be ready for that day. So let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for these men and these women these young people, Lord, the young men and young women who are here today. I ask, Lord Jesus, your favor on them. I ask for your protection upon them. There are dreams that you have given here in this place uh, uh, in in recent days, in recent weeks, maybe a long time ago. But Lord, there are dreams that you've given to people, and I pray that they will be fulfilled. I pray that God-given dreams will be fulfilled. But when the tests come, it may be one of the things that Joseph experienced may be an entirely different one. But Lord, one of those tests is going to be when they're in a place of prominence that they will trust you and that they will understand that they, they have been placed there not for their glory, but for yours. So I pray, Lord, that your strength upon them. I pray that they would use it. Lord, the power that they have the influence that they have, the responsibility that they have, the authority that they have, the means, the financial means or the abilities that you've given them. Oh Lord, I pray that they would use those things for your glory as they continue to trust you for the fulfillment of the dream. Lord, as we leave this place today, may we go in your Holy Spirit power that we would not only declare ourselves to be followers of Jesus Christ, but that we would truly follow you. That our relationship with you will be evidenced in how we walk and how we live and what we say and what we do and how we love and how we forgive. I pray this, Lord, for every person here today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Go in the presence and in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, these altars are open this morning.